We interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. Dame's nons having a strong call of bondulence. Hey, it's cool here if you don't know. Welcome to another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM in rather cloudy Halifax here. I think it's trying really hard to rain, but it's not quite there yet. We'll get to some more details about the weather in about half an hour's time. But for now, let us take a look at what is going on at Low Bias Gaming. And oh boy, it has been a busy, busy week. Uh, everyone has posted something this week. Um, starting with uh, Scarlet with 10 episodes of, uh, I believe this was a low bias monthly, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, War of the Gems for 2019 July Marvel Games. Uh, we have two new episodes of Tales of Fantasia from Jason. Uh, Scarlet brings us three new episodes of Darkest Dungeon, as well as two episodes of Book of Demons. Uh, Jason with uh, one, two, three, four new episodes of Popful Mail. Uh, I have posted some more of the um, Kirby's All-Star Legend, including Dream Chorus, Block Ball, and Avalanche. And Jade brings the noise with uh, two full Let's Plays, Resident Evil, six videos there, and Danganronpa, another episode, Ultra Despair Girls, 28 videos. So that's a bit of a watch, but... Um, plenty of stuff coming from low bias gaming this week uh we also have a uh, couple of new soundtracks including the goonies uh goonies 2 rather uh as well as of course the 365 days of the super nintendo uh still going strong but uh for now let's go on to a little bit of music i think and i have a little bit of time actually I misread the song, you see. Uh, Outlander, King Arthur's Court, I think. King Arthur's World, sorry. James Bond Jr. and Goof Troop being the last four episodes posted. So that's all some good stuff there. And, um, yeah. <laughs> also, the uh, Titan Discord thing kind of fell over on us over at the forum, but there is a new Discord link if you want to join the Low Bias Gaming Discord that's up on lowbiasgaming.net. Uh, it's right there in your face if you want to check it out. So, you're listening to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Let's get to some music, shall we?
You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That song was by Hitoshi Sakamoto and is the song from the opening movie from today's game, From the Archives. Relive an adventurous tale rich with agents, espionage, and conspiracies. Challenge deadly monsters and villains with your steel and magic. Clear your name by uncovering a sinister plot, or perish in the attempt. This is Vagrant Story. It's an action RPG for the PlayStation, developed by Squaresoft, published by Square EA, and uh, released in 2000. So, Square EA? as opposed to square you know in any case it's a very interesting kind of game it's um it is an action rpg so things happen in real time you can target specific body parts you can train your weapons to be good against specific types of monsters there's a lot of intricacy in this game and it's sometimes hard to, to keep track of everything that you can do and everything that you can see but in the low bias monthly for january 2019 games with political intrigue uh jason has decided to grace us with this game not a short watch it is 50 videos but it is worth a watch and it is quite knowledgeable about the game so yeah i would recommend checking it out if you want
That was Mikuroshina with Scaffold, chiptune bootleg, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And we're back with uh, Square Wave Symphony on CKDU. 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And, uh, well, speaking of weird, it is time for the news of the weird. I don't know why I said it that way. I am tired. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so these, uh, these stories I do not read ahead of time. Some of these might not jive well with all audiences, but they are scanned for objectionable content, and I think the most objectionable word is probably illegal with the second most objectionable being refrigerator because it contains frig uh anyway gives you an idea but uh yeah this segment is about 13 15 minutes long so take that as you will our lead stories plural recent alarming headlines and there are two of them um Singer Wayne Newton was sued in district court on August 6th by a mother and daughter over an incident involving a monkey that took place in October 2017 at Newton's home in in Las Vegas, where the daughter was an invited guest, according to court documents. Genevieve Urena, a minor, was touring the home uh, when Newton's pet monkey, Boo, quote, without any provocation, attacked and bit Miss Urena, causing injury to her body as well as emotional distress, the suit claims, according to KVVU-TV. The Urenas assert that Newton, quote, had a duty to exercise due care and should have been uh, and should have known that Boo had a tendency to attack. They are seeking $15,000 in damages. Okay, first of all, why does Wayne Newton have a monkey? That's my question. Um, that doesn't seem like the best of ideas, personally, but... I guess first world problems? Is that, is that how that goes? I don't know. Anyway, here's another alarming headline. In Perth, Australia, two pig farmers face jail time after illegally importing Danish pig semen in shampoo bottles. Okay. The Guardian reported that Torben Sorensen and Henning Laua of GD Pork were sentenced to three years in, uh, and two years in prison. Okay, three years and two years in prison, respectively. There we go. After pleading guilty to breaching quarantine and biosecurity laws by bringing in the contraband numerous times from 2009 to 2017 to be used in GD Pork's artificial breeding program. Australian Agriculture Minister Bridget McKenzie said, quote, GD Pork imported the semen illegally in an attempt to get an unfair advantage over its competitors through new genetics. Western Australian Farmers uh, Federation spokesperson Jessica Wallace called the acts selfish. How extremely disappointing. GD Pork also was fined half a million dollars. 
Well, I can I can think of two words that GD could be um, substituted for, but I'm not going to say them on the air. Our next story, thank you, I think. Okay. Uh, the Richmond Times Dispatch reported on August 11th that in the overnight hours, more than 50 old-style television sets had been deposited on the front porches of homes in Henrico County, Virginia. Henrico Police Lieutenant Matt Pekka uh, said the culprits were uh, were caught on several doorbell cameras. Those are popular lately, aren't they? With one of the videos showing a person wearing TV-shaped headgear while dropping off the TV. Even more puzzling, a similar phenomenon happened last year in nearby Glen Allen where 20 sets were left on porches. Pekka said the only crime that might have been committed is illegal dumping. We don't believe there's any reason for the community to be alarmed. 50 old style televisions? Really? See, some people would see that as an opportunity because there are some people who collect those things. Then again, there are some people who collect 50 of them and then just dump them on front porches for some reason. I mean, maybe that would almost fit into New World Order, but... Uh. It depends on what is the intention for those televisions, I suppose. Mm. Anyway, here's a bright idea. A Twitter user known only as Dorothy15 was banned from her phone by her mom in early August after becoming distracted while cooking and starting a fire, but that didn't stop her, reported The Guardian. First, she tweeted from a Nintendo 3DS gaming device, but mom caught on quickly and posted that the account would be shut down. The next day, Dorothy tweeted from her Wii U assuring followers that while mom was at work, she'd be looking for her phone. Finally, on August 8th, with no other options left, Dorothy reached out to Twitter from an unlikely source, her family's LG smart refrigerator. I am talking to my fridge, what the heck my mom confiscated all my electronics again, she posted. The post went viral, even prompting LG to tweet about it with the hashtag FreeDorothy. That, on one hand, is commitment. That, on the other hand, is... Oh my goodness. People are very much attached to technology. And this is a good example of that. Maybe we should watch it. Our next story, scary. That wasn't very scary. Stop it, Coolio. Cambodian farmer Sambora, 28, is lucky to be alive after spending almost four days wedged between boulders in the jungle northwest of Phnom Penh. On August 4th, as Bora was collecting bat guano to, to use as fertilizer, he slipped while trying to retrieve the flashlight he had dropped down a crevice, the Washington Post reported. After three days, his brother found him and alerted authorities who worked about 10 hours to free Bora from the hollow where he was trapped. He was transported to a local hospital. There's another word I can think that I would like to say to this situation, but again, I will have to restrain myself. 
because it's 5 p.m. Least competent criminal, ladies and gentlemen, Larry Adams, 61, of Daytona Beach, Florida, came out swinging late on August 12th, complaining that neighbors were playing their music too loudly in the parking lot of their apartment complex. Adams emerged from his apartment, threatening to shoot them and brandishing nunchucks, which he then hit himself in the head with. Police officers responding to a 911 call told, told Wolf Fox 35 that Adams also sprayed everyone with roach repellent, causing them to cough and their skin to burn. We not even roaches, so why are we getting sprayed with roach spray for? Wondered neighbor Sissy Sylvester. I just read that exactly as it's written. Adams, sporting a goose egg on his forehead, was charged with aggravated battery with a deadly weapon. People think nunchucks are a good idea. They're not. They're actually pretty tricky to use. Don't get, a, don't get ideas from Michelangelo. He is a professionally trained turtle. He knows what he's doing. You don't. Our next story, true love. For 68 years, Frances and Rosemary Klontz of Sacramento, California had not just shared the ups and downs of marriage and family, they've cemented their bond by coordinating their outfits every day for almost seven decades. Frances let his wife pick, uh, pick out his clothes each morning. She just lays it out for me and I don't have to worry about a thing, he told KOVR-TV. The couple also sing together, performing at church, hospitals, and around the house. They started dating in junior high school in Auburn, Washington, and the dressing alike custom started when Rosemary's mother bought the matching shirts. We've been matching ever since, Rosemary said. And they're not even twins. Because if they would be twins, there would be some questions to ask. Government in action. What a relief! Well, that's a good start at least. The U.S. Department of Transportation announced on August 8th that miniature horses are cleared to fly in all cabins of commercial planes as emotional support and service animals. Okay. The agency called dogs, cats, and miniature horses, quote, the most commonly recognized service animals, Fox News reported. However, or other organizations, including the Association of Flight Attendants, have urged a tightening of rules about the animals because of, quote, rampant abuse of service animal designations. Apparently, the DOT said nay to that. Again, I'm just reading it as it is written. And that pun is right in my face, and I hate it. Our next story... Whoops! A Gwinnett County, Georgia medical examiner has resigned after wildly misinterpreting the cause of death for, for 61-year-old Ray Neal of Lawrenceville who died on July 21st. Despite, the, despite reports by police and witnesses of large amounts of blood on the floor and walls at scene, investigators, sh uh, ah, investigator Shannon Byers initially ruled Neal had died of natural causes because people definitely naturally die by exploding blood everywhere. But when his body arrived at the funeral home, employees discovered a hole in his neck, Fox 5 News reported, and Neil was returned to the morgue for an autopsy, which revealed he had been stabbed several times. Police are now investigating the death as a murder. 
because people just naturally get stab wounds in their neck at their at the end of their life, don't they? That's this, this is not a murder case. It just happens naturally. Obviously. I mean, come on. Some people, man. Our next story, the devil is in the details. <laughs> that was a terrible, evil laugh. Why do you try to do these things, Coolio? That's a bad idea. Stop it. Was there or was there not a clown? Yes, there was, and it's me. But maybe not in this story. And what exactly is a fancy dress? Hmm. In the early hours of July 26th, The Guardian reported a mass brawl broke out in the buffet area of the P&O cruise ship Britannia, which was bound for Bergen, Norway to, uh, from Bergen, Norway to Southampton, England. Witnesses told staff that the fight started when one passenger became angry that another was wearing a clown outfit because they had specifically booked a cruise with no fancy dress. Another witness said the clown had crashed a black tie party, but P&O later said in a statement, there was no clown and Hampshire police confirmed there is no information to suggest that a clown or anyone wearing fancy dress was involved in this incident. A number of passengers were injured in the brawl by flying furniture and plates and two passengers were arrested, then later released. It is now on a cruise ship. Do be careful. Just saying. And how about a compelling explanation to uh, wrap up the news of the weird? Fanny Alita Beerapoot? Let's go with that. B-E-R-E-P-O-O-T. Beerapoot. Sure. And her brother, Rambertus Cornelis Biraput, Christian mission missionaries in, Tans in Tasmania, were ordered to pay the were ordered by the Supreme Court there to pay 2.3 million dollars to the Australian Taxation Office on July 17th after failing to remit the estimated 930 thousand dollars in income taxes and other charges they owed in 2017. The Australian Broadcasting Corporation reported that the dispute stems, uh, stems from the Biraputs Convention that taxation, quote, goes against God's will. Representing themselves, the siblings explained they had paid income taxes prior to 2011, but then came to realize that, quote, the law of Almighty God is the supreme law of this land, end quote. Transferring our allegiance from God to the Commonwealth would mean rebelling against God. Also in 2017, the family's property in Mole Creek was seized after they refused to pay property taxes on it for seven years. I mean, if you want to follow religion, that's fine. I'm not going to say anything about people who follow religion. But you still have to follow the rules. And the rules say, unfortunately, you have to pay taxes. You might not think that, you, that this is fair if you're following your deity, but it's still a requirement. So what are you going to do? 
Anyway, what I'm going to do is read the weather because that's the part of the show we're at. Currently in Halifax, it is 25 degrees and mainly cloudy with a humidex of 26. The humidity finally going going down after the last few days, so at least there's that. Uh, Wind becoming west 20 kilometers this afternoon, high of 25 except for 20 along parts of the coast. Humidex uh, can go up to 30, so we're a little well off right now. UV index of 6 or high. Tonight, partly cloudy, clearing near midnight. Wind west 20 kilometers uh, becoming light near midnight in a low of 14 degrees. Saturday, August 24th, sunny in the morning, then a mix of sun and cloud with 6% chance of showers in the afternoon. Wind becoming north 20 kilometers in the afternoon and a high of 22 and a UV index of 7 or high. And at night, clear skies, low of 11 except 7 inland. Sunday, August 25th, they have uh, sunny skies and have 21 going down to a low of 12 and clear skies at night. Monday, August 26th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 21 going down to a low of 11 and clear skies at night. Tuesday, August 27th, sunny skies and a high of 23 going down to a low of 13 and clear skies at night. Wednesday, August 28th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 24 going down to a low of 14 and cloudy periods at night. And Thursday, August 29th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 24 degrees. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, and let's get some music going, shall we?
That was SoundSync 5000 with, hip, with Hypnotism's Liberties, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. I'm cool, you if you don't know. And today, I want to talk about a game. Three games, in fact. Well, kind of three games. Truth is, these are three games that have been ported about a million times across all sorts of platforms. Much love goes into key, uh, into into these to keep them alive well past their intended lifespan and there is usually a good reason for that so let's see what makes these games so great let's start with this classic doom well i wanted to do that voice so there you go there you have it uh, this is a first-person shooter originally released for DOS, developed and published for it by id Software, and released for it in 1993. An unnamed space mar- marine, I swear these unnamed people are everywhere, punitively post- posted to Mars due to assaulting a superior officer, is dispatched to destroy the unknown creatures that start that suddenly start bursting out of the teleporters to the moon, Deimos, after it seems to disappear from the planet's orbit. Well, as we do, let's start with presentation. For the time, the graphics were a huge step forward. There are a few 3D games, but they either ran slowly, were locked to orthogonal directions, or were very drabbed. Drab. Uh, with a B and not a D at the end. Anyway, Doom dared to try something new, and it wasn't super smooth, but the level of detail in everything in the world was far beyond anything else. Everything in the game sounds just right, too. The music sounds tense, the guns sound deadly, the monsters sound threatening, the, the machines sound mechanical, I guess. The point is, the presentation is on point. The gameplay is also entirely solid. For how early in the history of 3D games this came out, this game is highly responsive to movement controls, with the only issue being that I don't think there is, or at least I don't recall there being a way to rebind uh, the controls to the WASD WSD standard that we're all used to these days. There are several difficulty levels ranging from I'm too young to die for beginning players who need to get used to controls or just want to explore with barely any monsters to really deal with. Do Nightmare, a mode which both clogs every pathway with baddies and monsters, which by the way will respawn after a few seconds of being dead. Overall, there's something here for anyone who's interested in this genre, which is probably why it survived so long. The original game was ported to 3DO, Game Boy Advance, Jaguar, Linux, PC-98, Sega 32X, SNES and Windows, and several other ports including both the original and Doom both the original Doom and Doom 2 Hell on Earth as well as some fan recreations of the engine such as with uh, Z-Doom. It's not really my style of game personally, but there's definitely a reason why port 666 was quickly blocked on company networks. Yes, Doom actually does use port 666 for its multiplayer. Look it up. Next up is Cave Story. This is a freeware exploration platformer originally released for Windows, developed and published by Daisuke Amaya, aka Pixel, unofficially uh, translated from Japanese by Aeon Genesis, and released in 2004. 
A robot known only as, quote, must recover his amnesic state, exploring a large floating island inhabited by seemingly docile creatures known as Mimigas. However, he's soon met by a pair of baddies named Misery and Balrog who speak of an evil doctor with sinister plans for them. Can, quote, figure out what's going on and protect them before it's too late? The graphics and sound for this one are pretty simple. The game follows a retro style and does so pretty well. There's no ambiguity to what anything is despite the simple graphic style and the sounds are also pretty solid. There's not really much to say about this part. If you're playing Cave Story, it's probably not going to be for its audiovisual presentation. It might be, but not for everyone. But considering that there's a freeware that this is a freeware game, there's a fair amount to do in it. There are about eight different weapons to brandish, a good couple dozen inventory items, and about ten areas to explore. Someone taking their time would probably make it through in about four hours, and the leading best ending speedrun as of the original broadcast of this episode is 56 minutes and 32 seconds, which is definitely not nothing. It's a lot more than you would expect to get for a freeware game, but there you go. One slight annoyance of mine is how floaty the jumping physics are. Mind you, the floatiness is kind of mandatory for some jumps, including one particularly uh, tricky one which is required to make in order to get one particularly versatile item about two-thirds of the way into the game. If I say a labyrinth, and you know what I'm talking about. There you go. Still, I do prefer platforming platforming controls to be just a bit heavier. I seem to recall having the same complaint about the hat in time, but I honestly can't stay mad at that game. I mean, look at it. It's so cute. Anyhow, just looking at the freeware version of this game has been ported to Mac, Linux, Amiga, PSP, GP2X, Xbox, JavaScript, GameCube, Dreamcast, Raspberry Pi, and as I just found out a few days ago, even Genesis. Uh, that's not counting other commercial ports that were made by Nycalis, but uh, Pixel kind of got the short end of the stick on that deal, and much about Cave Story Plus tends to be inferior to the original, honestly. That's including the sounds, the music, the dialogue, it doesn't have that same punch. It does have a few nifty features to it, but overall, I would stick to the original freeware game. Finally, not exactly a game, but it's been ported to death, so it fits in my book. It is Megazooks. This is a game creation system originally released for DOS, developed and published by Software Visions, and released in 1994. What started as a simple platform meant to be a mix between Alexis Jansen's previous DOS game, Zooks, and Epic Mega Games' ZZT has since ended up becoming kind of a cult classic, prompting hundreds of people to create their own worlds, some of them mediocre, others completely astounding. As far as presentation, at its core, at its, core it's as basic as it gets. Megazooks by default used DOS's 80x25 EGA text mode. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, as maybe they weren't around during that time, um, open command prompt on Windows or terminal on Linux. Or, you know, you get the idea. That should give you a good idea of what you're dealing with. 80 characters wide, 25 high, each character 8 by 14 pixels, only 256 different ones to work with, and only 16 colors. Even for the time, that seemed considerably backward when compared to other games coming out around then. Sounds, by default, PC speaker. 
the little thing inside your computer that beeps when you boot it, if you even have one, as those are getting increasingly rare too. But that's not the long and the short of it. Then you can add dig digitized sound effects. Then you can add certain types of tracker music, like mods. Then you can edit those 256, ca 256 characters into any shape. Then you can change those 16 colors to be pretty much whatever color you, you need them to be. Suddenly you have a game that starts to look and feel pretty distinct. Then you can add some robotic code to make the base engine behave differently. Then you can create basically an entire engine in robotic. Uh, then you can enable Super Megazix mode and break beyond the boundaries of only having 16 colors. Then, at least with the modern ports, you can add mp3 and aug files for music instead of just mods. That's when you end up with games such as Ampersand, which is a first-person RPG and exploration game reminiscent of old-style games such as Acalabeth and Card of Destiny, Commander Keen Heroes Lost, which ex explores the life of Billy Blaze many years later as he arrives in college, Eternal Eclipse Tyarin, where one person has to, to break out of a five-day loop to put an end to a hundred-year curse, and Red, which is basically an original SNES JRPG implemented in Megazooks. So, though not every port is being kept updated, for instance, the original DOS port stopped at version 2.70, where the current version at this time of broadcast is 2.92, uh, the game is presently, presently available for Windows, Mac, Linux, Raspberry Pi, DS, 3DS, Wii, Wii U, PSP, Amiga, GP2X, Switch, and a few others. Uh, there's still much love for this deceptively simple little platform, and I'd recommend taking a good, long look at it. And that's my list of games for today that just won't die. If they're worth looking at once, they're probably worth looking at again and again, because every new platform they end up on has their very own distinct feel. Some ports may occasionally not quite stand up to the rest, but maybe sometimes it's any port in a storm. So hope you enjoyed that little look at um, much ported games. And um, how about you, you leave, uh, if you're listening, leave a message on Twitter. Are there any games in particular that you enjoy that you know have been ported to all sorts of systems? I'm not talking like sequels. I'm talking like the same game, the same exact game, down to the last pixel, except on different platforms. So let me know. Uh, that's on Twitter, at SquareSim, S-Y-M. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU, 88.1 FM Halifax.
that was Neo Survival by Annanite, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And I found a thing. Yes, I have found a thing, and I'll share that thing with you in a segment that I like to call I Found a Thing. Now, our buddy Scarlet over at Low Bias Gaming works at a Chuck E. Cheese. And um, something that uh, that ended up catching my eye uh, in the last few days is actually a story about Chuck E. Cheese himself. And it turns out, you know what the E stands for? Entertainment. His middle name is literally Entertainment. Now, obviously, that's not where I'm going to stop at. Apparently, Chuck E. Cheese has a complete backstory, and I don't know why this exists, but there you go. Let's uh, let's go through as much of it as I can here. Um, and this is probably someone from Chuck E. Cheese corporate who wrote this. I don't know. It doesn't say, but there's a Chuck E. Cheese logo, so I assume so. Once upon a time, a little mouse moved into the St. Marinara's orphanage. He loved to play games with all the other orphans, but most of all, Chucky loved learning to play music. He especially loved the song Happy Birthday. Because Chucky was an orphan, no one knew when his birthday was, so he never had a birthday party of his own. This made Chucky sad, but not for long, because with so many kids at the orphanage, there was a birthday party almost every week. The way that that is worded, it sounds like nobody should be knowing their birthday, but... Apparently, everyone knows their birthday except for Chuck. Anyway, Chucky loved birthday parties, especially because there was pizza. I would be down for that, too. Uh, when Chucky wasn't learning music or singing or enjoying pizza at, the, at a birthday party, Chucky loved to play video games. His favorite game was called Pong. Chucky almost never lost. In fact, one day Chucky won a Pong tournament. He won a trophy in $50. How old is Chucky anyway? That $50 is enough to buy him a bus ticket to New York City. It was his magic ticket. When Chucky first moved to New York, he was amazed at how big the city was. But despite being uh, surrounded by people, Chucky felt lonely. He missed the kids from the orphanage. He had no place to stay, so Chucky would sleep above the, the kitchen in a pizzeria run by a friendly Italian chef named Pasquality. I am getting tongue-tied for some reason, and uh, maybe it's this mention of pizza and I'm hungry. Chucky loved this, uh, the smell of pizza, plus he had plenty of music Pasquale would listen to and sing along to the radio. It was a great place to live, until one day Chucky, thinking Pasquale, Pasquale had gone home for the night, explored Pasquale's restaurant, and was discovered. Mouse! screamed Pasquale as he chased Chucky around with a rolling pin. Pasquale had Chucky cornered, his knees knocking from nerves. Chucky couldn't think of what to do, so he did the one thing that, make, that always made him happy. He sang. Pasquale was so shocked that he dropped the rolling pin. A mouse that can sing? My restaurant is saved! I'm gonna make you a star! Pasquale immediately changed the restaurant to Chuck E. Cheese's, home of the world-famous singing mouse. On the grand reopening night, men and women crowded around every table. Pasquale proudly introduced Chuck E. Ladies and, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Chuck E. Cheese, the world-famous singing mouse. I don't think he was world-famous yet because, you know, he hadn't been introduced yet. When the curtain came up, Chucky was terrified. Chucky had never sung or for so many adults before, and he stood there frozen. He couldn't do it. 
The crowd booed and booed and left, and Pasquale was heartbroken, so was Chucky. He didn't want to disappoint Pasquale. As Chucky stared out the window, the crowd poured out. He saw a young boy walking. He's, he was holding his parents' hands and smiling, but what's more important, he was wearing a birthday crown. It was his birthday! So without a thought, Chucky be began to sing his favorite song to the boy, which of course, you know, happy birthday. No one could believe it! Chucky could sing! The family came in! Pasquale made them pizza and Chucky sang all night. Other families would wa would walking by would join them. It was the best night ever. From that day on, Chuck E. Cheese's would never be a place for grown-ups. It would be a place where families could bring their kids and they could just be all kids. Chuck E. Cheese's would always be a great place for parties and more than that, it would be a place where every moment would be as special as a birthday. So, stuff and stuff and things. This is pretty much the end of the story. Anyway. So yeah, I don't know why this exists. It seems completely superfluous. And it is. And, I don't know, maybe that's why Michael Jesus is a nice place. I don't, I don't know. But, um, yeah. That's, that's pretty much the story. And as far as I know, there aren't really any mechanical Chuck E. Cheeses anymore at the restaurants. As far as I could tell from Scarlet anyway, he's usually more busy fixing, um, fixing things in the kitchen, fixing our arcade games and things like that, because he, he's the fixer man over at his restaurant, so keeps the things going. Anyway, I, I just thought that it was interesting that this had a backstory and that his middle name was literally entertainment. I don't know why, but there it is, and there you go. You're listening to Square Wave 70 on CKDU, 88.1 FM Halifax.
And that one was a JX with Scourge of Flame. Fantastic little track. Um, possibly part of a larger game thing because it has a subtitle of Fungus Forest Act 2. But anyway, that is going to be it for today's episodes. I do thank y'all for listening. Um, feedback is always appreciated and um, so yeah definitely leave some feedback and there will be some details on how to do it in the credits that are coming up right as we speak Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Segment music composed by myself, Madama Namiki, Noriyuki Kimikura, Twilight of Defect, Niflis, Pink Projects, and Commissar. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU, followed by a special Square Wave Symphony's Philharmonic Special at 7pm and Death by Hammer at 8.30. Comments, questions, want your chip tunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim, S-Y-M. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041. There's also a podcast version of this show. It's available on lowbiasgaming.net slash squaresim or just search for, for Square Wave Symphony. Square Wave is one word. On Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or TuneIn Radio, or whatever that you prefer. Now, as I've mentioned, I will be back in about an hour's time with some special music for you guys. If you want to tune in for that time, it's going to be great. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio if you don't know, and I'll see you guys next time. Oh, 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 oh,